0: Happy birthday, Connect Church, man. It is so exciting. Whether you are here in the room with us and you are ready to nosh on some cupcakes when we get done with this service, or you're joining us online from literally around the world. I mean, we have people from all sorts of different countries, provinces, U.S. states, everywhere joining us. Thank you so much for being a part of it, uh, being a part of us and our birthday celebration. We want you to understand from the top, this is not our birthday this is our birthday. So your greeting this morning is happy birthday. When people are saying, hey, happy birthday, Dan, congratulations, I'm like, yes, but happy birthday to you as well because this really is our birthday. When Ember and I moved to Canada six years ago, I mean, we had a sense that God wanted to do something really special in the city of Calgary and we wanted to be a part of that. But honestly, we never could have predicted this. We never would have been able to see this. And so just for a moment, I wanna give glory to God. I wanna give gratitude to you guys for helping to make today possible. Would you put your hands together and make some noise just one more time? So, so good. Now, of course, birthdays are all about celebration, aren't they? You go to a birthday Party, that's what we call it, and you get to a space and it's full of usually your favorite people anywhere. You walk in and there's music, there's balloons, there's smiles, there's hugs, there's even cake, you guys. I mean, birthdays are a ton of fun. That's the whole point. It is a giant celebration. And let me tell you guys today, we want you to have a great time at our birthday party. We want you to have a lot of fun. So after we get done in the service, they're going to tell you more details about this later. but we've got homemade cupcakes and cookies. We actually have a competition going on. We're going to have judges that are going to be tasting and critiquing, but you get to eat all of them, whether they're good or bad, and it's all totally free, okay? We want you to be sure to take a picture out at our photo booth up front. As Kyle mentioned, they put so much work into that. So take a photo, post it, you know, to social media, whether it's um, tagging Connect Calgary or hashtag life overflowing. This is just a way for us to show that we were celebrating our fifth birthday today. Birthdays are all about celebration. In fact, there are some of you that you don't have a birthday. You have a birth week or a birth month. You know what I'm talking about? You're one of those people and you're like, oh, I was born in July. Well, this is my birth month. So we're going to celebrate. We're going to go out four times. Now my wife's birthday happens to be July 14th. So I'm not picking on her. I'm just saying like we celebrate birth month in the Sueza household, July and November for sure. So with all of this in mind, about parties, and celebration, and joy, and reuniting with your friends and family, today I want to kick off this brand new series called Out of the Cave, and the happy topic that we're going to be discussing over the next several Sundays is depression. Yeah. When I was writing this, I knew that was going to be like a record scratch moment, you know, when you're at the party, and somebody says something ridiculous, and it's like... And everybody's like, what? Read the room, Dan, come on. Why would you get up on stage and talk about depression on a Sunday in which we are obviously hyped up and celebrating? And the truth is, I understand that kind of hesitancy. It is a little bit weird. I'll be the first one to admit it. In fact, as I was prepping for this, I struggled with whether or not this was the right discussion, the right topic, the right series to kick off on our fifth birthday. There was a part of me that was like, wouldn't it just be better if we did this like in October or November? We could do like a more happy, sunny, positive sort of series now, and then we'd get into this heavier, darker stuff later on. But you know, the more I prayed about it, and I'm talking, this was months ago, I just sensed that the Holy Spirit was telling me that there were going to be people here today on birthday Sunday who didn't need hype, they needed hope. That there were people that were going to show up for a party, but they're going to come back over the next several weeks because it's time for you to finally get help. Okay, So that's what we want to do. We want to help you to understand that God wants to set you free from anxiety, from depression, from the difficulties and mental illnesses that we have been experiencing in our life right now. And yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun today, but we're also going to be real about the world that we live in, you guys. It is a tough, tough season to be alive, isn't it? And it's not just my personal opinion or kind of you're like, oh yeah, I think so too. Like the research confirms this. I wanna put a few, just a few, I promise I'm not gonna bore you with this, all right? Um, I wanna put a few statistics here on the screen for you. The last 18 months have been absolutely brutal on people in terms of mental health, on terms of their outlook in life. So the CDC down in the US did a research study and in 2019, they found that rates of depression, of course, this was a year before the pandemic, rates of of depression were 11%. One out of 10 people said, yeah, I have... Symptoms of anxiety or depression. They did the same study at the end of 2020, and that number had jumped from 11% to 42% in basically the space of one year, and almost, of course, entirely due to the pandemic. You guys, that is a mind blowing thought that one out of two people that are sitting in this room this morning is struggling with thoughts and feelings of anxiety and depression. Wow. You know, we have brothers and sisters, and you're tuning in uh, online right now. And the reason that you're not here in person is because, you know, the, the mental struggles that you're having today, they, they won't even let you leave the house. And we want you to know that you are seen, you're known, you're loved. We so appreciate the fact that you're tuning in even when you're not able to be here with us in person. The World Health Organization has said that depression is now the number one health issue in the entire world. They released a study and they said it is responsible for more deaths every year than even cancer is, which is wild. And there are other ways that we can measure this too that are, you know, just as interesting, I think. So if we look at the rates of heavy drinking during the pandemic, all right? Heavy drinking, you know what we find out? It's up 43% in the last 18 months. And you want to know who has been drinking the most? Moms. That's not a joke. I'm 100% serious. I mean, I get it. Like, you're at home with the kids all day. And I mean, I totally understand. Mommy needs her medicine. I get it, ladies. But you know, it's kind of worrisome, too. You know what I'm saying? Men's heavy drinking has increased by 20%. Women's heavy drinking has increased by more than 43%. Yikes, okay? Um, And not only that, I'll show you one more thing and we'll move on. If we look at the rates of anti-anxiety prescriptions, right? Going to the doctor, I'm struggling. Is there something you can give me that will help? Um, Pre-pandemic, we had whatever the number was. Post-pandemic, it has tripled tripled in the last 18 months. So listen, these are more than enough numbers, and couple that with our personal experience, we know that there are a lot of people that are struggling. And even if this isn't clinical for you, even if it's not something that you're battling like today, chances are you have battled some of these issues in the past, or that you may very well battle them again at some point in the future. But this is not a modern problem, you guys. You might not know it, but if you go through the scripture, you will find so many people that struggled with mental illness, with depression, and with anxiety. Seriously, I can name them. Job, Mm? yeah, he did. Judas, that bad guy, he did. Jonah, the prophet. Jeremiah, the other prophet. Basically, if your name starts with a J, you're gonna be depressed at some point, all right? Now I'm just kidding. It's not just that. Moses, who we've talked about over the last few weeks, David, Sarah, women struggled just like men do, Paul, Peter, every single one of them have these episodes in their stories as recorded in the scripture in which they battled mental darkness, in which they struggled to believe that life was good and life was even worth living. In fact, it might be easier to name all the people in scripture that didn't struggle with some sort of depression or anxiety at some point. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to focus on one particular man in the scripture, a prophet by the name of Elijah. Elijah has a very fascinating story, and we're going to be talking about his story over the next few weeks. But this morning, what I want you to do is just focus in on these two verses from the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 19. These first two verses. The scripture tells us, and again, we're jumping in in the middle of the story here. Don't worry, we're going to go back and talk about it later. Elijah was afraid. And he fled for his life. He went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then the Bible says he curled up on the ground and he passed out under the tree. Now, guys, it's important you understand that Elijah is not just being dramatic here. These are real, sincere feelings. He is completely overwhelmed. He is genuinely asking God, just take my life. It would be better for me to be gone than to be alive here. And next week, we're going to be talking about how he got to this point, what happened that made him so afraid and eventually caused him to to be in this dark of a cave, so to speak. Two weeks from today, my man Kyle Johnson, who is just up here on stage as MC, he's going to be preaching his very first live Sunday morning message. I'm so stoked about this. You guys want to be here for it. I, I heard his message this last week, and it was so good. All right, but here's the deal. He's gonna be showing you why God allowed Elijah to get to this point. So next week, how did he get to this point? The week after, why did God allow him to get to that point? And then over the next two weeks after that, I'm gonna be back to share with you uh, the way out of the cave of depression and anxiety, at least from the scripture. So you don't wanna miss this series. I promise you, it is going to be very, very good. But here's the thing. This morning, what I wanna do is I wanna use these verses to kind of form a springboard into some thoughts, or more specifically, what I wanna do is I wanna identify identify some myths about depression some myths about depression and anxiety. Now, some of these myths are present like around the world. Doesn't matter if you're spiritual or not, man, woman, old, young, whatever. We all kind of share these. Some of these myths are actually unique to people inside of the church, people of faith. And so we have a responsibility to call them out and to speak truth over them. Listen, if you want to escape out of the cave of depression and anxiety, you're going to have to exchange the lies of the enemy for the truth of Christ. And so, so that's what we want to do over the next few weeks. Uh, we want to we remind you of what Jesus said here. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God wants you to live in absolute freedom. So let me share with you five myths about depression that I see around the world and in the church today. Sound good? Myth number one, my depression is something to hide. My depression is something I need to hide. You know, most people feel some sort of shame or embarrassment or guilt when they go through a season of depression or anxiety. They're worried about being judged or ridiculed. And so they very often suffer in silence. There are many of you that are here this morning and you're smiling on the outside. And you're completely pulled apart on the inside. You've bought into this myth that it is something that you need to hide. And certainly, you guys, depression comes with its own unique set of challenges and difficulties. But listen, when we get right down to it, mental illness is no different than any other kind of illness that we experience. It's really not any different. So many of you guys know that I have horrible eyesight, like really, really bad eyesight. I've made this joke before. I'm going to keep making it because it's true and I think it's funny. I wear contacts instead of glasses because the lenses in my glasses are so thick that if I walked outside and looked up, the sun would literally just, it would burn my eyes out, okay? I mean, they are bad. My, I cannot function. I can't drive. I can't read. I would not have any clue who's sitting on the front row if I didn't have lenses in. Do you know when I tell you that my eyes do not function the way they're supposed to, my eyes don't work the way that everybody else's does, I don't feel a bit of shame about that. I don't care. I'm just acknowledging a fact of life. I have friends who are type 1 diabetics. That means that their pancreas does not produce insulin. The pancreas has one job, you guys, one job it's supposed to do. And from birth, their pancreas is like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go along for the ride, but I'm not doing anything. I'm going to couch surf for all 80 years of your life. And when they talk about the need to inject insulin and the fact that their pancreas doesn't do what it's supposed to, you know what? They don't feel bad about it either. They don't feel weird, awkward, shamed, guilted, anything like that. They simply acknowledge the facts as they are. Listen, if you struggle with mental illness of any kind, if you battle depression or ongoing consistent anxiety, I want you to know it's okay. There's no difference between that and any other illness that people might have to deal with, okay? You should feel no shame if you battle anxiety, depression, body dysmorphia, bipolarism, OCD, if you cheer for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, like mental illness knows no bounds, you guys, and God Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. right. I know, I lost some of you there. (laughs) See, the thing is, the enemy wants you to keep this stuff hidden. He wants you to buy the myth that I need to keep this to myself. I can't talk about it with anybody. Nobody's going to understand. They're going to judge me. It's not going to be good if I share it. But listen to the fact that I shared with you a moment ago. Nearly half of everybody has the same sort of feelings and struggles that you do. Or they will at some point. And so you're not alone in this. And in fact, you should not hide it. It is something that you should bring into the light. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter number 12, verse 46. I love this verse so much. He says, I have come into the world as a light. Why? So that no one who believes in me should have to live in darkness. You don't have to live in darkness. Your illness is not something that you have to hide. It's not even something that you have to admit as if you've done something wrong in life, all right? It is merely a fact that we have to acknowledge because we cannot address what we refuse to acknowledge. And so this first myth is gonna be designed to help you or breaking through this first myth is designed to help you to understand there is help available and you can get beyond this, but in order to do it, you have to stop hiding in the cave of darkness and you have to acknowledge what you're really struggling with. And let me tell you, if you don't struggle with mental illness, depression, anxiety, whatever, and you judge somebody who's honest about their struggles, if you treat them with contempt instead of compassion, you're the one who's wrong. There's a problem with you. There is no difference than judging somebody else who has another disability. You understand what I'm saying? Like how weird would it be if you were judging somebody that was in a wheelchair, or you were criticizing them or whatever. It's just like, ew, that's gross. It's no different. Even when it comes, our brain is nothing but an organ, you guys. And so we want to treat people who are struggling among us and out in the world. We want to treat them with great compassion. This first myth, please don't buy the lie that my depression is something that I need to hide. Secondly, spiritual people don't struggle with depression. Myth number two, spiritual people don't struggle with depression. This isn't so much a myth as it is a straight up lie, you guys, okay? So I've already read to you these verses from Elijah's own mouth where he says, I want to die. God, please just kill me. I'd rather be gone than be here. What you may not know is that Elijah is one of the most important people in the entire Bible. So if we fast forward, this passage that we read is in the Old Testament. If we uh, fast forward into the New Testament, there's this day where Jesus takes a handful of his disciples and he goes up on a mountaintop. And the Bible tells us that on the top of the mountain, he is transfigured, which is kind of a weird word, but essentially what the scripture tells us is that he reveals his divinity, his glory to his disciples. The Bible says he shines in this crazy bright light. He's suddenly wearing white robes instead of wearing like dusty tunic and things like that, like they wore in the first century. He's transfigured. And the scripture also tells us that appearing with Jesus as he transfigured were two figures, Moses, And Elijah, Elijah is such an important person in the scripture that Jesus actually used him to validate his own ministry and say, listen, I'm continuing the law that Moses gave you and I'm fulfilling the prophets which are represented by Elijah. So Elijah is a super important guy in the scripture. He's the very same guy that was acknowledging suicidal ideation in the verses we just read a moment ago. That's wild. I've told you some names of other people that have struggled, but rather than going through their stories, let me just remind you of one simple fact. There is an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. Do you know what Lamentations means? It means to have such deep sorrow and pain that the only response is to weep uncontrollably. There's an entire book of the Bible that is nothing but Jeremiah, who's called the Weeping Prophet crying because he's overwhelmed by life's circumstances. Listen, it is a lie that spiritual people do not struggle with depression. They absolutely do. In fact, spiritual people struggle in the exact same ways. They fight the exact same battles as non-spiritual people. The only difference is that spiritual people have a few more weapons at their disposal than non-spiritual people. We have access to everything the world does and we have access to other things through the work of the holy spirit so yes spiritual people struggle with depression and if you are one of those i want you to know you're not a bad christian you're not there's not something wrong with you you're not failing god any more than i'm failing god because i have to wear contacts okay all right spiritual people absolutely do struggle let me give you the third myth the solution to depression is simple the solution to depression is simple. This is probably one of the most pervasive myths that's out there in the world. There are secular people, and they will tell you, all you have to do is just take a pill. Just take a pill, and you will feel better. That's all it takes, right? Then you'll go to religious people, and they're like, no, don't do that, but pray about it, okay? Just pray. Pray the blues away, all right? And then you've got other people, and they may be secular, they may be religious, doesn't matter. And they'll come along and they'll say, you just need to push through. You just need to power through. You'll get through it. You know, chin up, buddy. You're going to make it. And all of those things, actually, they show a simple and honestly an artificial solution to real depression. Okay? Okay. Depression, we're going to see this over the next few weeks, it is a multidimensional problem that requires a multidimensional solution. If you read the scripture, you find that God created us as triune or tripart beings. We are body, that's the physical side of us. We are soul, which is the emotional, the personality, the mind side. People sometimes get this confused. They're like, oh, my soul is the spiritual part of me. Not according to biblical language. Your soul is the emotional part of you, the mind part of you. And then there is the spirit, the the part of you that is eternal and relates to God and bears his image. Now, the deal is all three of these can contribute to depression in your life. And so I want you to be wary of anybody, including religious people, who would only point to one aspect and say, all you got to do is focus on this and you'll be okay. Ignore these two and just focus here and you'll be good. No, no, no. It is a multidimensional problem and it will require a multidimensional solution. Doctors and medication, counselors and therapy, scriptures and prayer all of those things work together to help heal people. So I want to pause for just a moment. I'm going to do this basically every week over the next uh, few you know, message series because this is really important. If you are seeing a doctor and you have been prescribed medication, don't stop taking the medication without consulting your doctor first. I don't care what some preacher on YouTube tells you. Okay. Some of you, you need to go sit down in a counselor's office. This is going to be the thing that helps you to break through. And then there are some of you, and you've only been looking at earthly solutions, and I would challenge you to recognize the great power that's available to you in prayer. That if you would address the spiritual component of what is going on in your mind, for many of you, that's the thing that's been lacking so far. We need to address all three areas of our life if we're going to overcome this very, very difficult enemy that we're facing. So the solution to depression is simple. No, that's a myth. All right, fourth one. We've got five total, remember. Fourth myth. My illness is my identity. My illness is my identity. Listen, if you struggle with anything long enough, this will become a part of the story that you tell about yourself again and again and again. You're gonna be telling, because you know, you no longer buy myth number one where I have to keep this quiet. And so you start telling, yeah, man, I struggle. This is a hard thing for me. I battle thoughts of anxiety or depression or I've had suicidal thoughts in my life and all of these different things, okay? And what happens if we're not careful is we start to think, well, this is who I am. I am a depressed person. I am an anxious person. I am a sick person. That's just, it's always going to be my struggle and it's always going to be my battle. It shifts from being a fact about you to being the most important fact about you. If you're not careful, that's what can happen. But can I remind you what the scripture tells us again and again and again, New Testament, Old Testament, your identity is not your illness. You are a daughter. You are a king of the most high God who created you. Nothing Can ever change that. It's true of you in seasons of sickness and it's true of you in seasons of health. It's true of you in seasons of poverty and it's true of you in seasons of abundance. It is true of you in seasons of loneliness and seasons of relational fullness. Your illness, your struggle, your life circumstances do not define who you are. So listen, your depression is not the truest thing about you. Your divorce is not the end of the road for God's plan for you. Your layoff does not mean that God has abandoned you. My friends, circumstances do not determine God's presence and his love in our lives. Don't buy that lie. You are an image bearer of God. You reflect God into the world, literally. The scripture in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse nine, tells us that we are a chosen people. You're royal, you're royal. You're like a king, a queen, a priest, uh, a priest, uh, a prince or a, a princess. You are priests on top of that. You're a holy nation. You're God's Very own treasure. You go throughout the day saying, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I'm terrible, I'm broken, there's something awful, nobody wants anything to do with me, my own family is rejecting me over this. Surely God knows I'm broken too. Not according to this verse and not according to what the scripture teaches us. Listen, your true identity is not captured on your medical forms, your credit report, or your business cards. It is captured in the words of scripture. So, speaking that over your life and watch your perspective start to change. All right, last one. The final myth. And again, this is something that people inside the church and outside the church buy into, and boy, is it a tough one. People believe my situation is hopeless. This is just the way it's always going to be. There there is no relief. There's no end in sight. There's no way out of the cave. Now, I told you that we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking.